chapter thirty two of lady jim of curzon street this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. lady jim of curzon street by fergus hume chapter thirty two never knew you to tumble before leah grumbled the duke next morning when admitted into his wife's bedroom accidents will happen murmured the duchess rather lamely and too much shaken to be original i can't talk jim my mouth is still sore what can you expect if you go a mucker and the season's startin too you will not be able to show with that swellin a week at firmingham will put me right katinka aksakoff is coming down also heard she looked in last night what made her call at so late an hour she's worried about her father lied leah prepared for the question had an almighty row with him over that bounder doctor i expect leah nodded languidly monsieur aksakoff has gone to south end i take his daughter with me there to make peace south end there's a hole what's he doin in that roost how should i know i'll reconcile the two if i can and katinka can be my companion at firmingham dull company confessed jim candidly she never could flirt that will be no drawback said his wife dryly go away please what lie am i to tell about your sickness tell the truth by way of a novelty or if you prefer a lie say that i have appendicitis one must be fashionable even in diseases all right said jim too obtuse to note the irony sorry you're so ill you've made an awful mess of yourself women will wear such confounded trains good-bye at present i'll look in at firmingham during your week of penance and talking himself out of the room jim went about his ordinary nefarious occupations feeling that he had behaved as a husband should the duchess turned wearily on her pillows and winced not with pain for her mouth though still swollen was much less tender it was the prospect before her that hurt in the evening a difficult interview had to be got through somehow and her brain began to forecast the probable result if katinka could be believed it would scarcely prove to be a pleasant one demetrius apparently intended to punish her by blackening an unsoiled character such a nasty revengeful spirit thought leah feeling ill-used and depressed but after all what could the man say likely to incriminate her seeing that she had moved amongst the pitfalls of the plot as delicately as agag demetrius had conceived and executed the entire scheme and what could he say would only fit in neatly with strange's confession which the public already knew and condemned her hand could not be traced either in his parisian journey or in the drugging of the tea how was she to know that helfmann was a police spy or that the letter assuring her of the doctor's intended return to russia had been deftly forged her surface behaviour at least was perfectly honest and would bear even the scrutiny of an interviewer she could taking a broad view of unpleasant circumstances defy the creature but nevertheless felt instinctively that it would be unwise to dare him to do his worst such a plodding narrow-minded sneaking beast would ruin himself to ruin her and mud if thrown persistently was apt to stick even to the whitest robe what a shame that this animal should so persecute her how hard on a kind-hearted woman whose sin as he called it was merely an error of judgment 
by the time leah finished her reflections her frame of mind was one of much injured innocence later in the day when driving to liverpool street station to keep her hated appointment leah half decided to call on aksakoff but second thoughts assured her that his intervention was quite out of the question were demetrius to be arrested in british waters the radical press would howl and nasty meddling politicians would ask unnecessary questions in the commons it would be wiser after all to fight alone and to the bitter end if demetrius thought she would give in demetrius was entirely mistaken he had yet to learn that she could be as nasty as hitherto she had been nice but he was horridly ungrateful as all men were in this way did the arch-plotter salve her countenance and compose her mind it was darkish when the brougham arrived at the station and leah glancing about under the electric lamps saw katinka waiting at the ticket barrier for the benefit of an inquisitive maid and an observant groom she addressed her gaily though it was not easy to speak with still aching lips you are punctual said the duchess pressing an unwilling hand with ostentatious warmth excuse my speaking much i fell on the stairs last night after you left and hurt my mouth i commiserate with you madame replied katinka sarcastically so good of you i hope monsieur aksakoff will not expect me to chatter my father echoed the girl staring he's at south end isn't he said leah impatiently at least you told me so last night i have instructed my maid to go on to firmingham while we travel straight to south end such a cockney place isn't it then we can get back oh about what time say eleven o'clock returned the russian grimly she now saw through the clever comedy which was being played you understand marie said leah turning to her maid who was all ears and eyes see that the broom is sent in time come with me dear there's a reserved compartment at least i ordered one curl go and look thus prattling to deceive her domestics leah adjusted a very thick veil which hid from the public a face whose expression was quite at variance with her sweet nothings when the two entered the carriage and the train was moving slowly out of the station katinka burst into a harsh laugh i congratulate you lady james you should have been a conspirator so your dear father told me compliments run in your family apparently surely you do not blame me for putting things right with my servants they might think it queer otherwise and one cannot be too careful with such creatures i fail to see what good your exceedingly clever explanations will do constantine intends to speak out what about asked leah chafing and throwing up her veil to manage the girl more easily with her dominating eyes katinka always fiery and with slack nerves after her siberian experiences almost lost what temper she had left need we keep on your comedy madame i'm sure i do not know what you mean one would think that i wished to deceive people the way you talk and after what i have done for you too it's most ungrateful and pray what have you done lady james don't call me lady james your stupid mistakes get on my nerves done why i pretended to fall on the stair to excuse the state of my mouth had i been a nasty spiteful creature such as you are i should have given you in charge for assault give me in charge now sneered the girl i might don't drive me into a corner you are inconsistent if you have done nothing wrong how can i drive you into the corner you speak of because you are a monomaniac retorted the duchess angrily you seem to think that i am the cause of the doctor's exile i of all people who would not hurt a fly 
you would hurt a dozen flies if anything was to be gained snapped the other irritably you betrayed my constantine i did nothing of the sort as he will understand when he hears what i have to say hearing and believing are two different things lady james leah shrugged away the speech of course you are prejudiced because demetrius loves me mademoiselle aksakoff fetched a long deep breath do not try me too far do you intend to assault me again no i even apologized for the blow i told constantine this morning of my interview and he said that i was wrong it is for him to deal you justice and punishment punishment justice leah laughed aloud in sheer rage at her inability to parry these insults and for what pray constantine will tell you in that case i do not wish a second-hand judgment from you the two glared at one another venomous and defiant as usual the younger woman's eyes fell first and she retreated to the furthermost corner of the carriage while leah pulling down her veil tried to face this most disagreeable situation not another word did they exchange until the ducal servants branched off at shenfield junction and they had to be publicly amiable then again silence reigned until their destination was reached by that time leah was more her old insolent self and disposed to be unpleasant will you drive or walk asked katinka coldly when they alighted on the south end platform walk of course i do not mind at all being recognised since i have come to see your father on board this yacht captain strange would be flattered by your description the duchess laughed contemptuously as they stepped into the street i am scarcely responsible for monsieur aksakoff's notion of a yacht foreigners are so ignorant they are not so clever as englishmen or englishwomen except in trickery and blackmail where they surpass them retorted leah her petty rage insisting on having the last word katinka permitted her the gratification and they walked the whole length of the high street in grim silence at a rude quay jutting from the beach of the lower town they boarded a disreputable boat rowed by two pirates and steered by a third the night was starry but moonless comparatively calm and noticeably chilly leah shivered as the boat made for a vivid green riding light which shone an emerald star no great distance from the shore but her shiver might have been an admission of dread katinka took it to be so and smiled in a gratified way as her enemy climbed the side of the steamer which was a veritable gypsy of the sea untidy dirty and decidedly questionable in honest eyes strange did the honours loud-tongued and raucous guess it do my eyes good to see your grace was his welcome hold your tongue and don't use my title she replied furiously strange as milk of human kindness turned sour on the instant i ain't highfalutin enough i s'pose pity i ain't a dandy skipper of sorts all hair or and giddy gold tags leah turned her back without deigning a reply and looked inquiringly at katinka the girl with an enigmatic smile on her wan face led the way down some greasy stairs into a stuffy stateroom and opened the narrow door of a side cabin leah entered and heard the lock click behind her evidently mademoiselle aksakoff did not think it judicious to remain but i dare say her ear is at the keyhole thought the duchess contemptuously she was trying to preserve her self-respect by heaping obloquy on her rival but scarcely succeeded as well as she desired then she said ugh twice and with emphasis 
the interjections were not meant for the girl's possible eavesdropping but to show leah's disgust at the close atmosphere of the cabin it was a nauseous musky sickly odour which reminded her only too vividly of the monkey-house at the zoo neither light nor air entered the den save through the round porthole over the bunk which was unscrewed but even the briny sea-breeze blowing softly could not do away with that thick tainted atmosphere which had provoked the visitor's exclamations with her handkerchief to her mouth leah's eyes strove to become accustomed to the faint light she saw dimly a heap of blankets but no form was visible beneath and no face was to be seen possible trickery occurred to her until a voice came heavily through the fetid gloom then in spite of its odd strangled sound she felt instinctively that demetrius was buried somewhere under the clothes you will excuse the absence of a lamp madame my eyes are half blinded with the snow glare and very tender how strangely you speak remarked leah involuntarily a sore throat was the hoarse reply siberia as madame must be aware is not a summer climate the wheezy sound ended in a kind of piping whistle i am sorry you have suffered said the duchess at a loss what to say ugh the smell she thought seating herself on a locker and feeling almost too sick to control her faculties madame is too good a dangerous pause ensued while leah wondered what was about to happen the man assuredly was demetrius and demetrius was assuredly extremely ill it was within the bounds of possibility that he might spring up and kill her the thought did not trouble her overmuch so dangerous a business had to be faced undauntedly and she kept down her womanly weakness with masculine strength during those slow minutes she could hear the lapping of the waters on which the vessel rocked hear also the laboured breathing of the sick man this stopped for a moment and then did she hear her own easy breaths demetrius evidently heard them also and had paused to listen he laughed weakly softly clucking like a fowl madame is very brave i'm frightened to death she assured him to excite his pity your breathing tells me otherwise i'm certain madame that your pulse beats regularly and that your nerves are entirely in order is this a consultation she asked coolly it is the farewell of two who loved murmured the hard thick voice muffled by the blankets that is madame of one who loved and of one who did not and therein as m heine truly remarks lies the tragedy of existence demetrius constantine leah felt that she must come to the point and get rapidly through the interview if only to escape from the sickening atmosphere katinka accuses me of betraying you well madame i did not i swear i did not indeed mademoiselle aksakoff is doubtless mistaken in a way she wishes to save her father from blame as a good daughter should will you explain further madame certainly i came of my own free will to explain katinka told me how ill you were and i could not bear to think you should die believing me to be dishonourable madame speaks hopefully of my dying it would please her perhaps no what do you take me for i never loved you as you wish to be loved but if m aksakoff 
had not interfered and we had married i should have come to love you you speak of what might have been i suppose so circumstances are altered marriage is out of the question assuredly and i am scarcely fit for a bridegroom what is the matter with you asked leah anxiously demetrius passed over the question besides captain strange informed me that your husband has returned madame was doubtless pleased at that marvellous resurrection so cleverly managed no said leah honestly enough i was not but circumstances made it imperative that jim should return and for me to travel in siberia blame monsieur aksakoff blame monsieur aksakoff she insisted i am innocent be pleased to observe madame that as yet i have brought no accusation against you katinka acted as your mouthpiece you have not my authority to say that then i gather that you do not blame me for your exile how can i with any truth madame seeing that you accuse monsieur aksakoff i do said leah resolutely in that case i regret that mademoiselle struck the wrong person you know that she struck me i was informed of it this morning and expressed my regret that she acted so foolishly did the blow hurt you it was most painful i feel it still your lip is cut then both lips inside luckily so there will be no visible scars but even now a very little would make them bleed such was the profound egotism of her nature that she expected further sympathy from the man she had reduced to such a condition but the doctor's stock of polite phrases appeared to be exhausted in place of a compliment came a hoarse chuckle like the cry of an early starling you appear to approve said leah ironically pardon i mentioned before that mademoiselle in my humble opinion was wrong she was very wrong i am not accustomed to deal with wild beasts spare me madame i owe her so much i owe her nothing except revenge for striking me but i excuse that because she is ignorant of the truth i am also ignorant madame you shall hear it now yes the absolute truth again came the raucous sound which might have been a laugh or a groan leah could not tell which the truth murmured the sick man adding after a significant pause i am waiting madame i went to paris with miss tallentire explained the duchess beginning anywhere in her hurry and mr askew followed followed you certainly not i always detested the boy so conceited he admired miss tallentire and his liking for me was the passing fancy of a shallow nature to arouse your jealousy monsieur aksakoff put it about that mr askew intended to marry me in paris the gossip and it was merely gossip came to mrs penworthy's ears that woman hated me then and hates me now to make mischief she told you you came over to paris there you remember what took place not at our final meeting my last memory of your face is seeing it across the tea-table 
you had a fit of some kind and m aksakoff called up a dr helfmann who took you away in a cab to be cured then i received a letter from you stating that you were going to russia as i fancied you might have settled with m aksakoff about your pardon of course i quite believed it and and i think that is all did you not know that the letter was forged no that the so-called dr helfmann was a spy no that the coffee or rather that the tea was drugged no how could i possibly know that m aksakoff was using me as his tool if the tea it was tea well if he put anything into the tea i did not see him do it it was m aksakoff who gave you into dr helfmann's charge when you were insensible now am i to blame your explanation is eminently satisfactory madame and you believe me it would be impolite to doubt a lady leah was nonplussed she was manufacturing conversation and his comments were trivial if not ironical as she shrewdly suspected she could not quite arrive at his real meaning he avoided answering leading questions and would neither accept nor decline her asseverations i have no more to say she remarked with an air of one washing her hands of the whole affair again a deadly silence ensued again she heard the heavy breathing of the creature hidden under the heaped blankets again sounded the drowsy lapping of the water and the faint sigh of the wind this time she resolved to make him speak so that she might learn precisely what he thought but the moments passed and no speech came finally it did come in the unemotional voice of one who speaks in his sleep he discoursed on a subject about which she had no desire to hear paris havre kronstadt said the slow drawling monotonous tone and then the weary journey across the urals oh the cold and the snows and the bitter storms of siberia chains and hunger dirt and rags and always always the hopeless future none loved me none lifted me up none spoke words of kindness loneliness and sorrow and the constant torment of painful memories the voice died away in a sob leah desperately anxious to defend herself still further would have spoken but her mouth was dry her lips ached tremors thrilled her body as the nerves twittered jumped and quivered over the low bunk she could see the rocking stars as the vessel swung to her anchor what glimmer of light there was revealed faintly the piled blankets and nothing more the face was veiled by almost material shadows and again drearily and heavily rose the thick muddy voice without variance in its tones without the music of feeling it might have been and probably was a voice from the tomb as it surged 
sluggishly through the fetid gloom st petersburg announced the toneless voice moscow and the farce of a trial the waving of a white-gloved hand and a courtly bow to dismiss me into pain and darkness and to a living grave nijni novgorod and mother volga who takes us convicts to her breast here came the dry chanting of a weird song which made the listener's flesh creep and her guilty soul quail then again slowly wearily demetrius began to name the stations of his cross on the way to the cavalry of a final prison kazan pianibor perm the bleak urals that prison wall of the exile eka terenberg tiumen the doorstep to the barren cell borka dobruna oshalka the rough russian names grated on leah's ears yevlevoy and the slow flowing river the prison barge the black bread the bitter biting burning cold tobolsk with its deathly mists and clammy darkness of egypt the charity song the weary weary milo serdnaya he sang another line or two in a cracked voice and broke out more humanly than the warm sunshine like the smile of the good god and days of those gentle winds we shall never breathe more the flowers and the winds the sunshine and the laughing children samarov surgout narim he paused to gather strength for the crying of a name which issued with a sob of heartfelt agony tomsk oh tomsk those long long days of waiting for what was to be the horrible mercies of the unjust she saw the convulsive movements of the blankets and knew that he was making the sign of the cross after the crying to god and his son came the protest against the cruelty of man the weary prison of tomsk the road the long horrible road to the ice-bound coast sakhalin the island of pain the hell of the innocent and a human soul lost a loving sinning soul for which thou didst die lost 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 leah's nerves ached and shook and shuddered as the account of the vile journey welled forth smoothly like thick oil with fixed eyes and fascinated ears she took in the terrible odyssey after another sobbing pause the broken creature was crying bitterly the voice recommenced droning on one note until leah felt that she could have screamed if only to vary the sound demetrius spoke of the barren wastes of sakhalin in the gulf of akask where the freezing straits of Naviski run between mainland and island 
he told of obdurate cossacks of cruel jailers of the treacherous gilyak natives who prevent the escape of the mortal damned a note of emotion crept into the voice and in its level tones she discerned a faint hope a smuggled letter and the assurance that help was at hand a corrupted warder a bribed soldier a black starless night and a desperate escape over deserts of snow then came heart-rending relations of a drifting boat of suffering and starvation and cold which burnt to the bone leah heard of a brave woman my love my love said the voice tenderly toiling with a bought japanese fisherman to bring the tiny shallop to a haven beyond the grip of the merciless muscovite the weird tale took her through la perouse straits northward amongst the corral islands and into the naked lands of kamchatka here again as she gathered the fugitives were in danger of recapture but they fled still further north through the bitter cold and under a bleak sunless sky to herd with the koriaks the tormented voice droned ever on about these filthy savages fish-eaters and hunters of the unclean it shuddered through accounts of loathsome diseases and of smoky defiled huts like the hells of swedenborg and the man wailed always ever and again of the danger of being retaken of terrible suspense of shattered nerves and of the eternal strength of a pure woman's love the tale ended with painful outbursts of joy at the sight of strangers tramps standing towards the inhospitable siberian coast peace plenty warmth food safety kindness hope love chanted the voice broken up into almost musical gratitude then a pause of infinite meaning ended by a dry clucking chuckle and i lived that i might see you breathe the man she had cast into the hell he had described leah's hair bristled at the roots the speech was so terribly significant but her soul still fought against the inevitable punishment whatever that might be not my fault she panted eagerly horrible horrible but not my fault oh believe believe me constantine you have asserted your innocence before murmured the sick man ironically and now now her heart almost stood still so intensely did she listen we must part for ever but you you i devote what remains of my life to the woman who has saved me to the angel who drew me out of the frozen deeps of hell and and you you will say nothing this boat leaves here to-night for a place which needs not be mentioned i go out of your life for ever and silent oh thank you thank you for what madame since you assure me of your innocence leah felt awkward she had said too much katinka is so prejudiced that i thought i thought her voice died away the lie would not come forth in the presence of this dying wretch you thought she would be jealous ah no madame 
demetrius paused and clucked again like a brooding hen she permits you to kiss me with a last kiss no leah half rose and fell again recoiling with a cry of terror at the prospect of setting the final seal on her treachery as did judas in the garden i beg of you my first love one kiss to dismiss me into the silence to close my mouth for ever and ever so he did doubt her he did not believe all her lies were discounted all his conversation was merely ironical and make-believe he held her in a vice and release would come only when she submitted to a revolting caress i will not i dare not she stammered shrinking against the wall in an agony of physical fear from an object which a guilty imagination revealed as loathsome to sight and touch you you have no right to the right of love said the weary voice you have no proof the cipher letters and a lean hand held out a packet drawn from under the discoloured blankets for one kiss madame for one kiss ugh groaned leah and snatched eagerly packet and hand disappeared swiftly and the voice whistled in a jeering manner one kiss madame one kiss she still fought my mouth is sore i am one kiss one kiss the last and the best or or leah writhing against the wall gasped soundlessly in that last word there was the sound of a terrible threat it was the knell of respectability of ease and luxury and of all that makes life worth living a single caress would buy the evidence a touch of her mouth and she would be free for ever and ever and ever one kiss then she muttered and with all her soul crying strenuously against the horror she tottered forward one her lips sought the place where a mouth might be supposed to be waiting two arms flew up and gripped her she could not scream for the arms dragged her down belted her like iron bands her mouth was on his his lips were on hers she writhed silent and agonized in the horrible caress in the abominable embrace trying to free herself in vain demetrius placed his lean hand on the back of her head and absolutely ground her mouth against his own she could feel the wounds break and bleed sanctifying the kiss of judas his arms relaxed she flung backward and the long withheld scream broke forth shrill and vehement as if in answer to that terrible summons katinka tore open the door and entered with a smoky paraffin lamp with one hand the girl thrust the shaking sobbing 
woman forward with the other held the lamp towards the face peering out of the blankets oh my god shrieked leah and sprang from the cabin pursued by the cackling of broken laughter she made for the deck for the side for anywhere to be out of the sight of that face that face which would haunt her till she died strange in silence handed her sobbing and whimpering down the black side where the boat received her she dropped in a heap and beside her dropped from katinka's hand a packet of letters above from an open porthole came clucking cackling chuckling laughter insanely gleeful and the silent stars of god shone over land and sea End of chapter 32